2: Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Paul Mescal. Mescal shot to fame and got an Emmy nomination with his very first on screen role in the Hulu series Normal People. His character, Connell, was so popular that even his necklace had its own fan created Instagram account, Connell's Chain. He then went on to star in Maggie Gyllenhaal's film, The Lost Daughter, opposite Oscar winner Olivia Colman. This year, Meskel has three projects out. God's Creatures, in which he plays a young man accused of sexual assault, whose mother, played by Emily Watson, lies to give him an alibi. After Son, Charlotte Wells' film following a young father and his preteen daughter on a resort holiday in the 90s. And Carmen, a musical film based on the classic opera and co starring Melissa Barrera in the title role. Paul Mescal, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Um, so I've just in the intro listed all your achievements just this year, and it took a while. Um, <laughs> got quite, quite a lot going on. Um, and last time we talked, you had essentially been transported from your life working as a theater actor to being a huge huge television star with normal people um and i remember you know we were laughing about back then about how you had your own instagram for your necklace on the show i mean the fandom was just wild Um, and it's always interesting to talk to an actor when things have really taken off a, a really steep trajectory for them, because I think during those times is when you find out what your touchstone is in your life. Like what is your kind of steady home place, um, whether it's people or things that you need to have around to keep you feeling sane, um what has come up for you during this incredibly intense couple of years
0: yeah it's 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 definitely been two years like it's been there a lot of kind of waters uh yeah it, there's just been a lot but i suppose it's probably people would be the my uh initial answer to that i think i definitely am tied to a place cuz uh spending enough time in one place is can prove has proven to be tricky. So, um, yeah, people, loved ones, kind of usual. I know it sounds boring, but, uh, and I- particularly re- relationships that, uh, pre existed any kind of, um, pre normal people, you know, um, yeah,
2: yeah. Do you feel like, um, being exposed to that kind of scrutiny has changed you as a person at all?
0: Probably, probably, I think it would be naive to assume that it hasn't had any impact, but I think that the main kind of shifting has now happened like a long time ago. It feels like, it feels like, like normal people has been out two years now. Um, and it hasn't felt as intense as it did that summer, you know. I feel like if any changing happened, that was probably when it was going on. And at the moment, um, I feel pretty, um, so I feel okay. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like I'm doing alright.
2: Um. So I do want to touch on before we get into the twenty questions. I want to touch on. Um, The three things that you had come out this year, God's Creatures, which came out the end of last month, um, which is, you know, it's it's pretty intense for your character. You're playing this guy who's accused of sexual assault, whose mum lies for him in order to kind of close ranks in the village and protect the young men of the village. It's it's a really interesting story. And actually it can. Um, I was interviewing Emily Watson, who plays your mum, and she's awesome. Um, And we were talking about that kind of broad, in a broad cultural sense, you know, this kind of tradition of protecting young men in those situations. I'm really curious as to what drew you to being in the film. It's it's super intense, brilliant film, brilliant cast. Um, what, what was that like?
0: I think, well, it was one of the first scripts that I read post-Normal People. And um, when I read it, I immediately was aware that it was uh, a departure from Connell. I think tonally, he's a very different man I think he's broken in a very very different way um and I was really interested in the kind of darker territory I was interested in a kind of the warped nature of that family dynamic that and also the the the, the potential and the prospect to work with Emily Watson so to, and to be working with her on such an intimate level was um it felt like an obvious thing for any actor to want to do at any moment in their career let alone like Kind of early days and had them. I, I just kind of chased it down and had amazing meetings with um Anna and Celia. And yeah, then just waited it out until it was the right time to go and shoot it.
2: Mm. And then you've got After Sun, which I also saw at Cannes, um, which is this kind of meditation. To me, it felt like a meditation on um youth and the loss of youth and um the loss of hope and 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 that kind of cusp where you're sort of dr- still dreaming about what magical things might happen and for your character it's all sort of fallen apart and he's still really young um he's on holiday in turkey with his 11 year old daughter and he himself is what 22 24
0: no 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 he's 30 yeah.
2: Oh, in my mind he was uh he was a lot yeah. younger. Yeah. I
0: know. Um
2: cuz you do get the sense of like he looks like he could be her at least one person thinks that he's her older brother.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
2: yeah. he just he just seems like a man who is mourning the loss of of the youth that he had in mind. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, that was that was a really amazing super sad uh portrayal of a, of a young guy who's kind of depressed i think
0: yeah i think you're right i think it's like is he mourning the loss of his own youth or is he afraid of uh is he afraid of what the future holds and i think it's probably a mixture of both of those things um but that, i think that's what's so unique about the film is like i think we've seen lots of films where single dad or, or single parent uh coming of age dramas and i think it kind of is definitely nestled firmly in that genre and t- and kind of film but it subverts it at different moments and i think what i loved so much about it was that he is the one thing that i think he's brilliant out in the world is being a father and when you combine, combine that element with the fact that he's really wrestling, and, and as you put it, like with a bout of depression or a men- mental health crisis, I think it's just rich, really rich territory for drama and character study. I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, of course, you've got Carmen, just, you know, like you're not busy enough, um, <laughs> <laughs> which premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. And uh I had Melissa Barrera on here the other day. Oh, she's so nice. cool. I yeah, love her.
0: Nice.
2: Um, tell me about being in, in a musical film with Melissa based on the classic opera. I mean, it's like you're you're doing these very disparate things. Um, but it's super interesting the way that you're choosing these uh these projects that are sort of um really approaching your talent from different angles
0: thank you that's very nice but uh that one is very, like yeah i think hit the nail and heads it d- different like very different in tone from both god's creatures and after sun and and just represented something that like i have an interest in like i have an interest in musical drama i have an interest in like singing and dancing and acting and trying to amalgamate all those different Skills into one thing that works, and yeah, it definitely was a challenge. I, in no shape, way, or form, would call myself a dancer or a singer or anything like that, but uh, it was something that I wanted to make at that moment in time. And I I don't know when it's going to be out or anything like that, but I think hopefully next year at some point, fingers crossed.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's an official release date, um, aside from it coming out at TIFF. So yeah, I haven't been able to see it yet. I'm intrigued. Um, I wanna see the singing and dancing, and
0: yeah I don't know,
2: yeah, I think everybody's really excited to see this film. Yeah, so yeah, so um, let's get into our 20 questions if you're ready.
0: Ready, yes. All right.
2: So I think um, doing what you do requires a certain sort of fearlessness, whether that's um, being able to manage your fear that is just there or whether you sort of somehow compartmentalise it in order to do what you do. And I was wondering where you think that ability might have come from. Was it someone that you saw when you were young doing it? How did that come about?
0: The ability to manage fear or acting in general?
2: Well, your sort of fearlessness in general, because I think the majority of people would not pursue what you're doing out of fear, honestly.
0: um, Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I'm good at managing my fears. I think um, the ambition and desire to play certain characters kind of, supersedes any fear but I I think at the moment fear is an important part of the process I think if I'm scared of something it normally means to me that the character is important to me I think if I'm not afraid of it it means that I don't feel a responsibility and I feel like up until this moment I think I've been scared of every project that I've been involved with in, in different um capacities and I and and that fear does subside I think like for for example now like I'm not afraid of after sun. I'm proud of it I'm like the the fear is normally in the lead up and the um kind of uh prep process um yeah
2: Mm -hmm. what about um the moment where it really crystallized for you that you wanted to act.
0: Yeah, I th- I think in retrospect it was probably when I I played Phantom of the Opera in Phantom of the Opera in secondary school, um, mm. which like in like I didn't know at the time that like it wasn't like I came off stage and was like I want to be an actor or whatever it was. I was just like this is this is something that I really enjoy doing but it took me a second to then figure out how if I wanted to do that or how to go about doing that I think growing up in Ireland there is less um, of a clear-cut path in entering the world of acting it's not like LA or London where there's kind of like an infrastructure like if you want to be an actor if you say to somebody in London or LA that they want to that you want to be an actor people don't really look at you but that you've got like Four heads, like in Ireland it just takes I think it can be a more a slightly more complicated process so yeah
2: mm. um was there an early inspirational figure in your life like a teacher or a family member or somebody
0: yeah I think it kind of goes without saying that like my or for me it goes without saying that my parents were inspirational figures um and are inspirational figures they like to be able to turn around to them when I was about to graduate secondary school and be like I want to try and audition for drama schools. now having never mentioned it before is like I think it ties into Callum and After Son where that kind of unflappable support for a child is so deeply impressive to me and I'm so grateful for it and I know that not everybody has that and I feel very very lucky that um I did have that um and do have that so yeah my parents probably mm.
2: um what about what posters did you have on your bedroom wall as a kid
0: oh what <laughs> I don't think I was a poster so we used to like swap like we, I didn't have like a designated bedroom growing up it's like I remember what well, was weird is we had three three bedrooms that like like technically me and my brother could have had our own bedrooms but I think we spent a lot of our childhood in the same bedroom so like there wasn't like I didn't have like my room so I didn't have mm-hmm. I don't remember having posters on the wall I probably did but I clearly didn't leave a um, lasting impact on me
2: you're not the only one that said that I had um, some people say that they would have got in serious trouble for using blue tack or sellotape on the walls. so no and then um, <laughs> and then I remember Kieran Colkin from Succession saying that he refused to leave his brother's shared bedroom because they were so close. So his brother tempted him away by sticking the the insert of the In Excess Kick album um, nice. on the wall as a poster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really sad. <laughs> um, okay, so what was the first movie you ever saw in a theatre?
0: The first one that jumps to my head is I remember going to see... Um, lord of the rings fellowship of the ring Mm. i remember seeing that and being like like blown away by it that would have when did that come out like 2001
2: something like that i'd have to to I i was
0: pretty young going to see that actually if i was 96 maybe it was the I don't know I remember seeing one of the Lord of the Rings
2: um what about a TV or film character that you wanted to be growing up
0: I was obsessed with um nobody remembers this film you might remember this one do you remember the film SWAT with uh Colin Farrell and Samuel Jackson and like Jeremy Renner
2: that sounds like, amazing, cast. Why don't I remember it?
0: <laughs> I, I it was that was the like I, lo, lo, like loved an action film growing up, and that I wanted to be um, Colin Farrell's character in SWAT.
2: Oh, I love Colin Farrell. I just yeah. saw his new film.
0: That's oh, amazing. I love that film so much.
2: The Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. yeah. So God, good. they're So good, aren't they? Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a great choice. Um what is the weirdest job you've ever had?
0: I had a job with a friend of mine that uh we used to like sell um like chicken like essentially it was like a fast food truck except for people who drove trucks. So we would make like breakfast rolls for people uh, I know, like, like, I was thirteen or fourteen. Definitely, I know maybe fourteen. Two of us would sit on the side of the road.
2: And... So for like long distance lorry drivers.
0: Yeah, they would like, it, and you'd be cooking sausage and rasher rolls for them in the morning. For like, yeah, we got paid like a ten, a tenner a day for. Ouch. But yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty rough, and we used to take turns sleeping on top of the freezer, and panicking panicking if like our uh we got caught we thought we were getting like trouble stealing stock which was just like us cooking ourselves lunch and we used to like hide any um evidence of uh having stolen a couple of rashers to feed ourselves but um and sleeping
2: yeah. on the freezer how old were you then what oh, you like,
0: like napping on the freezer we didn't <laughs> we, uh, we didn't sleep there overnight i was i think i was about 14 or 15
2: so I'm assuming that you are now an excellent breakfast sandwich maker.
0: I definitely could make a decent, like on health, like a good hangover breakfast sandwich. Oh
2: yeah. Bacon roll. Yeah. Are you Bacon a brown sauce else. or a ketchup person?
0: Yeah. Brown, brown sauce. I used to have I a knew it. I just knew it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Proper old school. Yes. Um, all right when was the last time you cried
0: i think i've been crying more frequently in the past uh year which i don't consider a bad thing but um the last time i cried probably saying goodbye to people in an like traveling recently i had to say goodbye to someone and that was uh mm. airports are normally a good place to cry in lots of other people are crying and it's less embarrassing
2: (laughs) yeah you're never alone crying in an (laughs) airport yeah Yeah. um okay you're packing your nuclear bunker what are you taking to watch
0: so you'd think if you're packing a nuclear bunker you would want to choose like light-hearted things to get Mm. you through i assume like a nuclear apocalypse but i'm just going to assume that like It's not really like it's kind of a nuclear apocalypse and I'm just going to choose films that I would watch and have watched on repeat. So I'll take The Remains of the Day. Ooh, good choice. Like a good kind of comfortable period film that I love watching. Blue Valentine to Hurt My Feelings. Ouch, yes. Yeah. And then something like On the Waterfront or something like Old School Marilyn. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nice, I like that um my comfort period drama film is um gosford park
0: yes, nice one that, that's it. I feel like that's in the same territory
2: it is isn't it yeah, yeah. brilliant um okay, who is your dream dinner companion living or dead?
0: Well, I get one one yeah <laughs> uh. This A dream doesn't have to be. I've 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 answered this before and it like it would have to be Anthony Hopkins. I'd say he's a great dinner companion. I say he's the most amazing stories. I imagine he's pretty generous in sharing any tips or tricks of the trade. And he might play piano after dinner. And yeah, I think it would be a, a fun time.
2: I would love that. I've I've interviewed him briefly. And he's a really thoughtful, introspective, interesting guy with a a kind of a a real dedication to telling the truth. Mm -hmm. I really love that. Very interesting man.
0: He's just incredible. Um,
2: So what is the toughest scene you've ever had to play?
0: I kind of have sometimes like a goldfish memory of like stuff that I've done before, but... I think the main one that jumps out to me is the therapy scene in normal people was a tough, a tough, like a very like and I suppose I'm, I'm saying all, take all this with a pinch of salt. Like, a, like it's tough in the context of like it's hard, like, but it's also very satisfying to do that kind of work. But that there's a scene that has a similar kind of like emotional size in um after sun where Callum is sitting on the side of the bed. Uh, that was tough. And then like just little like there's a scene in um after Sun where Callum and Sophie are in a um, mud bath in Turkey and it was tough for a different like it was a really fun scene to shoot, but we just didn't have a lot of uh a lot of time and the anxiety of trying to like make your day like the classic thing of like not knowing if you have enough time to shoot the scene but uh, in hindsight knowing all that I'm really satisfied with how that scene turned out in the film
2: Mm, mm. Um, that scene in After Sun where you can just see your back and you're clearly crying but trying to hide it there's something so interesting seeing like that's really the definition of of when you know you're seeing good work is when the actor is trying not to show their feeling because that's what real people do right and that's something that's come up on this podcast before is that, that you know if you're sh- oh look here's my feelings then that's not how people are
0: and i think that, that scene in particular like i think i would just de- i would describe after sun as a pretty restrained film i don't think it's like Indulgent in terms of uh, the f- the feelings of the of the characters, that I don't think they're indulgent with their feelings. Whereas I think that's one of those moments where Charlotte lets, because I, 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 I think he is trying to hide it. But there's also something kind of um, like he's grieving pretty heavily over something. Like the, it's like the size of it. It's like it's not like it's not weeping. It's kind of um, wailing. Like his body is feeling the impact of it and I think something like that only works if the rest of the film is restrained or kind of um, not subdued but you know like if every scene was like that nobody would really care if a character is upset or crying or expressing anything yeah
2: yeah it's like an orchestral totally. thing where you kind of bring in the, the emotions at a perfect balance
0: Mm, I think, yeah.
2: um, I feel like your character in After Son is is devastated by the loss of his relationship with his daughter's mother. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Did you not think so?
0: It, I think it, it his um, what he's going through is independent of that. I don't think it is. Um. I think it's totally a fair reading, but I think he has. A very healthy relationship actually with his ex-partner I think yeah. he's as a um like I don't think he's mourning that relationship I think he is happy with where it's at uh, happy that it's like they're sharing Sophie in a way that feels healthy to me I think that was important to me actually that that it didn't feel like there was anything unhealthy about the the their parenting dynamic as single parents mm-hmm. you know what I mean um so I, I personally think that what he's struggling with is uh, something that he would struggle to define. It's not something that he would be able to pinpoint and say it's because of this. And uh, it, it, it's a feeling that I, I think is kind of tenuous and, and, and hard to describe for himself.
2: Kind of like an existential mm-hmm. crisis. I mean, I don't think that he's crying over... Um, you know, wanting to get back with her because there's this really tender moments where he tells her he loves her on the phone because she's family is, is the way he kind of explains it to their daughter. And that's really lovely and touching and mature. And But it seems, I suppose the thing I'm taking away from it is the loss of the trajectory you thought your life might take.
0: Totally agree, yeah.
2: And he doesn't have the things that people sort of tell you you're supposed to have. Like well, I think it's like even energy.
0: even if it's even to attempt to try and simplify it is difficult but I think mm-hmm. that feeling mm-hmm. in that I think he's feeling at the edge of the bed in that moment is I think to do with the fact that he's on holiday with his daughter and seemingly having a good time but I feel like there's something not adding up he knows that on the outside this is a fun experience but there's something deep within him that isn't enjoying it there's a part of him that is in pain and unable to describe what it is that's n- nagging at him. And I think that's a very, I think there's a lot of fear in him. I think he's scared of what that feeling means. I don't think he um, likes himself particularly. And it's like the balance of like the public life that seems to be healthy and responsible and good doesn't necessarily translate into his inner life. And that is incredibly upsetting to him, I think.
2: Very lonely, yeah, sort of so. desolate place to be with no yeah. way to find comfort. Yeah, yeah it's such a, a nuanced um, character in that film. Um, so what is the advice you might give your younger self
0: I'm really bad at advice, you know, I think, um, I, it's all, it's all like, don't be a dick, try and be nice to people. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, so sorry, but that, that, that's advice that I've stolen from other people. So, um, I don't know, I think it's like, it's a new thing that it, like being asked to even give advice to yourself or other young actors. I'm like, whoa, I don't even feel equipped to prescribe any advice to myself, so um, I don't know. I'd probably just give myself two thumbs up and just kind of a pat on the back for a second, and just yeah, yeah, I don't
2: know. keep going. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Um, is there a time you were starstruck?
0: I was pretty starstruck. I uh, bumped into uh, the actor Renato Rinzp. I think your name or is how you pronounce her second name from the worst person in the world. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that film. And I'd just seen it, i have like watched it like two or three times and bumped into The, the most Met.
2: uncomfortable character.
0: It's <laughs> <not> so, I <laughs> love that film. And I yeah, I bumped into her at the Met and she was uh, really, really nice. So,
2: yeah. Oh, did you tell her that you loved the film?
0: I absolutely got m- not a lot of words out and was just like, <laughs> I love the film, well done. <laughs> And oh, she'd seen so the show, so I didn't feel like a total loser. Um, yeah.
2: I love that. Um, what is the most meaningful feedback you've ever received about your work?
0: I think I can't remember like indiv- like individual like sentences, but I think with a character like um, Connell, for example, or Callum, Uh, who are going through a mental health crisis at certain moments in each of those pieces of work that people come up and they feel comfortable sharing their own experience is I think quite powerful and uh, highlights the fact that I think what film and tv shows and what art does is important because when it's done right it begins a conversation and for people to who I don't know, like like especially like young men or men that find it difficult to articulate their feelings. Sometimes for them to be able to watch something and then feel comfortable to share that is um, pretty satisfying. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, what job do you think you'd be doing if this hadn't worked out? Hopefully, not still making sandwiches, but.
0: Definitely not making sandwiches. And if I was still making sandwiches, it would be for more than ten euro a day. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a teacher or something potentially. Mm -hmm. That's what jumps into my like a would have something that would have facilitated me being able to play sport. Would be the would be the thing I would say.
2: Yeah, that's right. Sporty. Yeah. I remember us talking about that before. Now, yeah, yeah. Are you still playing sport? Do you have time?
0: No, no. It. Um, I don't think they. Uh, I'll exercise, but I, I. I'm unfortunately not able to play, like commit to a team sport. It's just, yeah, it doesn't really.
2: And you can't really dip in and out of stuff like that.
0: You're... Yeah, you can't really like break the bones in your face when you're. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
2: there is that. Um... What is your greatest fear personally or professionally?
0: Personally, um, uh, death, death of like loved ones or yeah, death of loved ones or getting sick or that's uh, pretty obvious, but I think that's, uh, that would be one. And then professionally just um. People deciding that I'm not able to do the job anymore, or like a kind of people saying, Ah, oh, he was good, but that moment has passed, or just like because oh, I, I hate the kind of powerlessness or the kind of innate feeling that, like, to do the job that I love requires people to enjoy the work, and that's scary sometimes because mm. it's ultimately I don't get to decide to do the job I ha- have to have people around me who want me to be in their films or tv shows or plays and that is for other people to decide and it's out of my control and that's scary
2: yeah mm. okay last one your all-time dream role
0: Someday, I'd love to play Willie Loman in *Death of a Salesman*. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the if I'm if if people still want me to be in stuff when I'm the right age to play that role, I would. Uh, yeah, like, and that's my answer right now, and that that will probably change. But I think no, I, I feel like I'll always want to play that role if if if, if I ever get the opportunity to do so.
2: Yeah, can't go wrong. So good. Um, so what are we going to see you in next? Your IMDb page reads like a phone book at the moment. Like, <laughs> there's so much going on. What? What's next?
0: Next is I'm doing Streetcar Name Desire in London on the stage. And then next after that, I don't know, but uh, faux and uh, Strangers will hopefully come out next year at some point. But I don't know know what film I'll be be doing next after the play. I'm hoping um, that that will become clearer uh, over the next couple of weeks or months.
2: What can you tell us about Strangers and and Foe, those two films?
0: Yeah, um, Strangers um, is an adaptation of a um, Japanese novel, I think, and it is directed by Andrew Haig. Most of my um, scenes are with Andrew Scott, which is oh, pretty cool. Yeah, he's... Worship uh, Andrew Scott. Yeah, Brilliant. likewise. likewise. Um, and then Faux, I play Saoirse Ronan's husband. I mean, uh-huh. it's incredibly exciting and it's an, an adaptation of a novel directed by Gareth Davis. So yeah, hopefully that'll be coming out. You've got some real tomorrow.
2: zingers coming up.
0: Fingers for crossed.
2: Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see both of those and everything else that you have in the offing, which is a lot right now. So um, thank you for making the time to come on the podcast and chat about all of these uh, life probing questions. So thank <laughs> you so much.
0: <laughs> Thanks very much. It's great thank to you. see you again. Yeah, you too.
2: Thank you again, Paul Mescal, for being on the show. Check out the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And read our Awards Line magazine in print and at Deadline.com.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?